Welcome to the Me The Money Show. I'm Dan Barnes, Editorial Director of Markets Media Europe, and joining me is Terry Flanagan, Editor at Markets Media. Terry, great to have you back on the show. Hey, Dan. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So you've been down in Florida. Apart from the beaches, what's been going on? Yeah. Yes, sir. I actually have returned. I was in Boca Raton for three days, Tuesday through Thursday. FIA Boca was going on, and this is the Futures Industry Association conference. Uh, they're big, one of their big annual conferences, and it's actually the first one in person since 2019. 2020 event was canceled because it was right as COVID was really kicking in, and last year was virtual, which is okay, but you know, there's nothing like meeting face-to-face at these industry events. Wouldn't you agree, Dan? Totally. One of the shocking things about going back to industry events after two years is that normally at these things, by the second day, a lot of people look hungover. Now they actually look two years older and hungover, which is definitely worse. That is certainly true. You know, I found uh, I attended two industry events last year, the ST uh, Security Trader Association in DC in October and the FIA Expo in Chicago in November. Both of those were in person, but there were a fair amount of COVID restrictions front center in terms of masking. There was uh, attendance was notably down from previous years. This was my first conference. FIA Boca was essentially back to normal. Very little others, hand sanitizers around and here and there and, you know, occasional mask. But this conference, very strong attendance. I would say stronger. I haven't heard official numbers stronger than 2019. Very strong attendance. And so to me, this was the first conference that I've attended that's essentially back to normal. That's fantastic. So what was the big themes? Yeah, a few things. Well, first, uh, you know, this comes, uh, the the event this year comes at a very strong time for the exchange-traded derivatives industry. If you look at the numbers, uh, the FIA itself reported global trading volume of futures and options traded on exchanges was up 34% last year compared to 2020. That was the fourth consecutive year of record trading activity. And of course, 2022 has started out strong. So, Really, uh, some good good tailwinds for the industry. There was a lot of optimism. It seemed like a lot of uh, good spirits, deal making going on on the sidelines. There's a lot, also a lot of anticipation for higher interest rates because higher, uh, low, and stagnant interest rates are a constraint for the industry and these futures yep. commission merchants, and they've that's limited their profitability and kind of forced them into cons- consolidation. So there's a lot of optimism as to what rising how rising interest rates might help the industry. There was, of course, the backdrop. There is the geopolitical situation was acknowledged a number of times. There is a war going on in Ukraine, and a number of people commented on uh, certainly the the human tragedy and human suffering. That's uh, you know you know certainly most most important. So so there was a lot of uh, impressions of regret of what's going on on there. Sure, of course, absolutely. It is a yeah, it's a, a terrible situation. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting your point on on interest rates, of course. Uh, I recall that MF Global actually went bust largely because they previously had relied on high interest rates. When interest rates plummeted, they decided to put a punt on European government bonds. I think around the time that you know Greece was doing badly, they were looking for that same percentage point return, didn't get it, and as a result, actually went broke. So it can have a massive impact on the future commission merchants and the sell side when rates changed. Yeah, certainly. And it has been uh, because the rates have been so low and so stagnant for so long, I think you know, you can view it as uh, these firms are really cut down to the bone. They're operating yeah. lean and mean. So when 
there is a, a more favorable rate environment that is there. It should be turbocharged for some growth and better times ahead. Of course, who knows how that will happen right now? It does look like rates are, are going to be on the increase for the next year, year and a half, steadily higher. But you know, people have anticipated higher rates before and that hasn't come to pass. So, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Absolutely. And talking of higher rates, everyone's been interested to see what's going to happen with crypto as rates go up. Is it actually a risk asset? Or is it a hedge against, you know, traditional assets? What was the talk of poker? Yeah, that is a, a good question. And certainly as a, you look at the price of Bitcoin it has uh, at this juncture, it has not lived up to its billing as a hedge against inflation. If you look at how it's down about, I don't know, 40% in the last six months as inflation has really picked up steam. But people you know, at Poker, they're saying, yes, the crypto as an asset class and the price of Bitcoin are all interesting, but they're more interested in the, the technological applications on technology and market mm-hmm. structure. And some of the interesting things they were saying, the exchange leaders panel in particular was very interesting. They had an exchange on this. This was uh, exchanges leaders from NYSE, NASDAQ, uh, Singapore Exchange, London Stock Exchange Group. Basically, the the idea is crypto is acknowledged as a here to stay to a certain extent, but it's at a fork in the road in that the industry needs to be okay with more regulation and more transparency rather than sticking, uh, clinging tenuously to its roots as ultimately decentralized and private vehicle of, of decentralized finance, if you will, because there, you know, there's only so much it can accomplish in the global system, financial system without a decent framework, standards and transparency, because these large institutional buy-side and sell-side firms have a lot of reputational risk, aren't really going to want to get involved, are going to jump in the pool without without these uh, rules around it. And so, so that's what needs needs to happen right now. That's the, that, that was the take from the exchange leaders. Oh, very good. Thanks very much. And talking about rules, I've been very interested in block trading this week. We've seen a couple of cases come up in the US around Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, who are reportedly being investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commission, looking at whether or not there was some sort of information leakage around block trades they were conducting on behalf of their clients. And we've also seen the same with SMBC Nikko in Japan, where I think three executives have now been arrested. Now, block trades are really important because it allows a buy-side firm to trade a massive amount of securities without impacting the market. So if you're going to trade half of a firm's stock or something crazy like that, obviously that's going to move the price against you if everyone knows it beforehand. So you want to trade it secretly in one big go. It's very important not to leak information on that basis. If there is information leakage, that's a big deal. We've just seen Deutsche Bank find, I think it was 2 million by FINRA a couple of weeks ago for the way that they were routing orders around the dark pool and to other trading venues. And this is kind of a hangover from the last concern people had about information disclosure, which was back in 2014. You remember Flash Boys? Sure. This was uh, obviously a massive hit book, which talked all about how trading algorithms were allowing very high-frequency trading firms to be fed information either by exchanges or by brokers, and that allowed the high-frequency trading firms to get information ahead of time. The concern now is that banks might be feeding information to hedge fund clients or to other clients on block trades ahead of time 
so that those firms can trade against them. So this has a potential for another big scandal, but we will have to wait and see what happens in court. Right, right. Certainly. I, I saw the, the Morgan Stanley, what they said is that since June 2019, they ha- the firm has responded to requests for info from the SEC related to uh, its block trading business. So not a lot is known right now. I think really very little, if any specifics are known, but you know, who knows? Maybe that's just a routine uh, investigation, the SEC trying to learn more about the business and it's, 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 it's nothing uh, overly significant, or maybe this is a, kind of the first shoe to drop and the next shoe might be you know, much more significant than this. So uh, we shall find out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Well, Terry, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much. All right, Dan, look forward to our next next call. Take care. Bye. Thank you.